Now entering Nerdist.com. Hey, you naughties. Hey, if you've downloaded today's episode, I commend you. It's a pretty juicy subject. And here we go. 2014 has been a an amazing year so far. For me, I've had so many fortunate opportunities to speak at colleges, to travel around, be on boats, to just teach and speak all over the place. And I thank all of you for giving me that opportunity. So thank you for giving local organizations my name as a possible speaker. I, I love Oh man, I just love traveling and, and spreading the good word and having a great time and lots of laughter. It's been good. Okay, let's get into it. Um, dates. So Los Angeles and Seattle. I've got a few things coming up very soon, actually. First, Wednesday, March 26th in Los Angeles. I am storytelling at Body Storytelling, B-A-W-D. The event is called Trisexual, so it will be about something that I've tried sexually. I might be into it, I might not be into it, but a little bit of a sexual adventure. You guys know me. But that will be at Busby's East. You can get more information at bodystorytelling.com. Tickets are $12 at Eventbrite as well. Now, Seattle, I am so excited. I've never been to Seattle, and I'm coming. Ah! So I will be at Emerald City Comic Con from March 28th to the 30th. That's coming up real soon. I will be on two Nerdist panels. More details to come. I'll be tweeting it out and Facebooking, etc. If you're around, come say hi. Come to a panel. I'll be holding office hours after for questions and hugs. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's pretty exciting. Yeah. Plus, I'll be jumping around the city trying to interview people because there's lots of amazing people in Seattle, including Heather Corinna, who is the founder and head of Scarletine. I'll get back to that in just a minute. Okay, so Wednesday, April 2nd, I will be back in Los Angeles and teaching Pleasure Her Perfect, Cunnilingus and more at Pleasure Chest Los Angeles. It's free. It starts at 8. It's a lot of good times. Uh, so come on out to that. So um, back to Scarletine. So FYI, Scarletine.com is a site that services the youth, the, the teenagers. But honestly, I get information from Scarletine. When I look on the internet for accurate sources of information, there are few places I go and Scarletine is one of them because I know a lot of it's just not well researched. Um, Scarletine is amazing and they survive on less than $3,000 a month. They have plenty of people creating content every day and they just can't survive and that is heartbreaking. So here's the thing. They are going on strike May 1st. They are taking away a lot of their content because they cannot continue to do it. It's a beautiful site too. I mean, everyone in the sex ed in industry is like amazed at what Scarletine has brought to the world. I'm donating $50 today. Please consider doing the same. They need your continued support to provide teenagers of the internet an accurate, intelligent source for sex relationship info. I... This is not an ad. They didn't ask me to do this. I'm doing this because it's important. Um, and I take these things for granted. I do. I take Planned Parenthood for granted. I take Scarletine for granted. I take these places for granted. But honestly, as much as I like Planned Parenthood because they're a, they're a healthcare facility, their website has a lot that doesn't... It's it's just like basic sex, safe sex stuff. It, Scarletine does everything, including self-esteem issues. It's how to handle relationships. Ah, it's so many things. If you haven't been there, check it out, especially before May 1st, because they're going to go dark in a way that I don't know if they're going to come back. I don't know if this is going to work, but if each of us does help support them, it will work. Um, and that's what I have to say about that. Okay. Uh, I love you guys. And thank you for tolerating my passion about this because it's so important. Okay. To this show, this is a fact-based show. Uh, Jana, she is so great to sit with me. I... This is such an important topic, and she's doing remarkable work in the world as a sex researcher and developmental psychologist. I start out with my friend John. We talk a little bit about our feelings about casual sex, and then uh, there's a bonus because uh, there is a, a super <laughs> scandalous field trip we went on that will be at the end of this episode. I put it at the end so you can get all your casual sex needs out of the way. Uh, and then we could just jump right into the deep end of something that happened this past week. Okay. That's that. Um, oh, one final thing. I asked Jana, uh, Dr. Jana about, uh, the effects of alcohol on casual sex during this episode, but I wanted a little extra info that I got from her after. So just so you know, alcohol, cause I've always wondered this, 
people have lots of thoughts about alcohol and like, oh, if you did it while you were drunk, that means that you really wanted to do it, um, which is actually not true. But she did say that drinking can fall into certain categories. One, it can be an excuse. For some people, they may say, oh, I didn't want to do it, but I did it because I was drunk. But really, they, they did, but it was their permission. Not everyone, just some people. For others, alcohol can be liquid courage. It just get, gets them there. Just, oh, and I've, I mean, that is very familiar. And then also alcohol can lead to coercion where it's easier for them to be pushed into doing something that they don't want to do. And I've experienced, I've experienced all of these. <laughs> but anyway, I thought it was interesting that she divided alcohol consumption into three categories of how people often use them. And I'm sure there are more, but I wanted to get that information on the record. Okay. Enjoy today's show. Thank you for listening. All right. See you on the flip side. What are all these kids doing in here? Hey, if you're under 18, go ask your mom. Now that we're alone, let's start the show. Hey, everybody. Remember me from the intro and the other intro and not the robot voice, not the nerdist robot voice, but everything else. Um, I received a call. And the call was requesting that I take down uh, the episode's uh, beginning interview that I had <laughs> on casual sex. The nature of the show is that I have deeply personal conversations with people where they unveil their experiences. And sometimes I'm asked to maybe keep the thing private that they didn't realize was so important to keep private. That has happened. And this time it was like after kind of. So anyway, pulled the episode. It's been taken out because um, I want to respect people's boundaries, even when they change, right? We're allowed to change. That's part of living and life and stuff. So I will say this. One thing I really regretted not keeping in is uh, in the conversation, we had this idea that the morning after, you know, after um, you know, a one night stand or whatever it is, that awkward, awkward, all slinking away into the dawn thing that happens is that I'd never... Th- thought about it but it feels like a mini breakup it's just sort of like goodbye i don't know how to end this weird um not that it has to be that way but just um as we enter this conversation i just never thought about the psychology of that it's a tiny little breakup sometimes Hmm. doesn't have to be anyway enjoy the show and the bonus field trip talk at the end that uh i was allowed to keep in so yay because it was definitely a highlight of my week here in dc okay much love enjoy the show what is your name (laughs) jana vrangalova okay Maybe okay. No, 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 it's, we're gonna. It's gonna, gonna be a problem in in my life in general. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. You should be known honestly as Doctor Jana. Doctor Jana. Okay. Let's go with Doctor Jana. Um. Frangalova thing. <laughs> well, you know, Doctor Drew, Doctor you, whoever. Like everybody's got their doctor, and it's just yeah. Okay. Let's just ditch it right now. Okay. Dr. Whoa. Jana. <laughs> I, I have this on recording that you've given up your last name. It's too fucking difficult to pronounce. Oh, I mean, right? it, yeah. everyone's going to have a problem with it. Where are you from? Uh, Macedonia. Where is Macedonia? <laughs> it's a small country in Southeast Europe, north of Greece, south of Serbia, in between Albania and Bulgaria. It's tiny. Is it an island? It is not an island. It's landlocked. Wow, I used to be a total geography geek. So the fact that I do not know where Macedonia is, wow. When you were um, learning geography, there was no country called Macedonia. It was part of a country called Yugoslavia. You're just saying that to make me feel better. No, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new country. <laughs> okay, well, that, that does make me feel slightly better. Oh, goodness. Um, okay, it's so off topic. It was really funny. Um, hi, Naughty Monkeys. Uh, Sandra here. I'm hanging out with, wait, let me just try it. Let me just try it, okay? Jana Vrengalovic. Vrengalova. Vrengalova. There you go. <laughs> um, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> it's good to be here. Thank you. Uh, I have stolen her away from Catalyst Con East Conference uh, we are at in Washington, D.C. And uh, you just gave a talk on casual sex. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you are an academic. You actually have facts to back up your feelings. 
Or do you have any feelings or are you all facts? Oh, that's a difficult question. I do have some feelings. We all do. Uh, but I also do have facts and I try to, um, you know, see what the facts are and present that to the world, whatever my feelings may be about the topic. Um, but uh, yes, I, st I study casual sex. Um, I just got my PhD from Cornell University a few months ago in developmental psychology. Congratulations. Thank you. It was great to finally um, be a doctor. Uh, and I, I teach at NYU. Um, and I study casual sex and mental health, among other things. Okay. Uh, and she has killer taste in clothing. <laughs> Why, thank you. <laughs> um, I'm in Ugg boots, really furry Ugg boots. Like everyone, it's, it's very embarrassing. I was afraid of the cold. Anyway, it's winter. Okay. Um, Dr. Jana, am I saying your first name right? Mm -hmm. Yep. All right. Uh, so here we are. You've presented on casual sex. The first thing I think of is, is it okay to have casual sex? The answer to that is it depends. As many things in psychology, it depends on who you are and how you do it. Um, there are people for whom casual sex is okay, as in, you know, it, your me mental health is going to be okay if you do it. And there are people for whom it is probably not the best thing to do. And regardless of who you are, um, there are ways to do it um, to maximize sort of the, the beneficial potentials of casual sex. And there are ways to do it um, that might harm your well-being. Okay. I have a feeling we're going to get into all those things a little bit. Uh, so what is casual sex? So, so let's first define our terms. Because when I think of it, I think of, okay, is that fuck buddies where it's an ongoing thing? When there's, but then I think uh, there, there can't be any emotion attached. And if there's emotion, then you're lying to yourselves or something. Um, but then it's like, is it a one night stand? Like what, like what are the parameters? Define your terms, doctor. <laughs> um um, there are many ways to define casual sex uh, specifically, and a lot of different researchers that have studied this topic have defined it differently. And so there is a lot of variability. Uh, I wish I could provide this one definition, but I, I can't really. Um, a relatively broad definition that I often use when I talk about this is something that encompasses all of those things. So anything from a one night stand with someone that you just met that night uh, to friends with benefits. Uh, so someone who is a friend and who you've known for quite some time and that every now and then you have sex with and sort of everything in between, you know, sex flings that lasted a few days or a week or fuck buddies, you know, someone who you see just for sex, but you're not really friends with. So there is a um, a continuum there of how emotionally attached or how romantically committed you are with uh, to these people. Um, but it's still on that sort of side of the continuum where it's not, you know, substantial uh, commitment or substantial emotional attachment um, to them. What about when you have tons of emotional attachment, but you still have the agreement that there's no actual uh, commitment or exclusivity? I guess exclusivity would be what you mean by commitment? By commitment, I mean we're committed to being together as a couple, as building a relationship together. It doesn't have to be exclusive because you have couples who are very committed but are not exclusive. They're openly non-monogamous. Um, but there are some gray areas. So something like, you know, you're you're very much in love with this person, but you still don't really have a, a, a romantic commitment. You're not really together. Or maybe, you know he wants to be friends with benefits, but you are really in love and you kind of want to be together in an exclusive even sort of way. So there are gray areas. It's not, it's not clear cut, you know, for clear cut stuff, you can only look at one night stand and, you know, someone you just met, but it's not that simple. Um, what beliefs do people have about casual sex? Because uh, like, I'm already thinking like, like I have heard this so many times casual it you can't really have casual sex or ongoing casual sex because someone is bound to get hurt mm -hmm. and that's and is that is that actually a true thing that you found that there's always somebody who's losing like it's or again unless it's a one night stand with a stranger on growler i mean <laughs> um well um there are different attitudes. So people do have different feelings and thoughts about this. Um, and some people believe that it's a, it's a bad thing no matter what. And it's never uh, a good thing for anyone. Someone always loses. And there are people who are very sort of approving and, and accepting of it. Now, what really happens is, um, I don't think there's always a loser necessarily. I think sometimes things happen. Sometimes people do get hurt, but a lot of the time they don't. And what we know from research is that people have 
a lot more positive reactions to their hookups than negative reactions. There are some negative reactions, so people will sometimes feel used or, or awkward or sad or disappointed or um, you know any other sort of negative emotions. But the positive ones, like I feel good and pleasant and 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 uh, you know attractive and desirable and um, satisfied, those are almost always stronger. Um, on average, you know, when you take a group of people and sort of ask them about how they feel about their hookups, the positive ones always win out. And also the majority of hookups, um, people say that they enjoyed them at least somewhat. You know, maybe they were not like the best sex experience they've ever had, but um, they were at least somewhat enjoyable. Okay. I feel like I almost don't trust you <laughs> because you're saying, but like, because, uh she just like mouth like I could show you the data <laughs> like well it's um so people can have health so what's the, like what so is there something that the people who are getting hurt are doing wrong now I'm we're kind of talking an emotional not like a, a physical harm like STDs etc but we're just talking emotional harm right now um what yeah what are they doing differently you know, what's going on there? Because you said there are different kinds of people, but it's also how you go about it. Mm-hmm. So there's behavior and then there's sort of your, your own personality whatnot. Yeah. So um, I think there's some people who should not be engaging in casual sex um, or if they do it, they should do it very, very rarely. Um, and those are the people who really don't desire it. You know, people will engage in it even if even though they don't really want it. And I think that's the biggest problem. And we do have data to suggest that people who do it without really wanting it, uh, they are the ones whose whose emotional well-being suffers when they do it. Um, And also people who don't really approve of it. I mean, if you're morally against it and then you do it, that's so inauthentic to who you are. And that's where the problems um, occur. And and we do have data to support that. Um, It's, you know, when people do it, who are into it, who are, you know, want it and and um, approve of it when they do it that's that's fine for their mental health their mental health does not suffer it's the people for whom it's an inauthentic kind of behavior also some people are better at getting pleasure um, out of these encounters than others Um, you know how sexually assertive are you how good are you at saying this is what I want and I'm going to go after it and this is what I don't want and I'm not going to get pressured into doing it also how good are you at doing it safely Um, I mean you know, getting an STI or getting pregnant when you don't want to um, can hurt your emotional well-being too. It's a stressful experience. So if if you ended up not using condoms and and getting one of these things, uh, then that can be sort of a mechanism. So doing it safely is sort of number one. Well, number two is doing it for the right reasons, doing it because you really want it, not because you got pressured or, or whatever into it. Uh, number two is doing it safely. Um, Number three, um, I would say, is um, doing it in a way that's going to bring you pleasure. So often people will go about having casual sex as like, okay, I'm never going to see you again, so don't even tell me your name. We're just going to exchange you know, some genital rubbing here together, and then we're going to go our separate ways, and they're very sort of detached about the experience. But that way you don't really get as much pleasure as you could. Um, so I think... Um, sort of giving all you got and adoring your partner, even if it's for an hour or two hours, um, I think it's good because that's how you really get to physically enjoy and, and emotionally enjoy the experience, even if it's just a short period of time. Um, I have a few more. Wait, okay. Wait, okay. Wait, there's a lot. So people who tend to not where casual sex will affect them negatively or if they're it's a fa- if they don't actually want it but they're doing it anyway mm-hmm. and that could be coercion that could be um they feel peer pressure it could be they like drunk they got drunk be- getting drunk getting wasted um is top you know uh, one uh, reason for doing it when you didn't want to mm-hmm. when you ask people you know okay you hooked up did you want it and they say no well then why did you hook up because i was wasted so that's sort of top one reason. Or another bad reason to do it is because um, you were hoping it was going to lead to a long-term relationship and it didn't. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Right. Right. Because, because I feel like a lot of people say, oh yeah, that's cool. We can just have casual sex. We'll just be fuck buddies. But really underneath all that lying to oneself, there's like, I would really like a relationship and then that can really hurt. That to me, I see that a lot, but yeah, this is interesting. Yeah. 
that happens. And, um, you know, sex, even when you don't want to, sex makes you bond. Right? Even skin contact, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, skin contact, looking into each other's eyes, sexual arousal, orgasm, uh, breast and genital stimulation, all of those things will release oxytocin in your brain, will release vasopressin, which is another um, uh, neuro sort of uh, transmitter um, uh, chemical in your brain that makes you bond to that person who just provided that stimulation or, or provided that orgasm. So even if we don't want to, even if, if we go into it saying, oh, this is just, you know, a one night stand, having sex and especially having good, pleasurable sex will make you bond to some extent. And then the more you do it with that same person, the more you're going to bond. But now, and here's the thing, some people are more susceptible to that than others. Some people get attached a lot more easily. And that's just how our brains, our bodies are wired. Oh, I'm such a bonder. <laughs> Can you tell? Can you tell? Are you? Um, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Why is it the prolonged eye contact? Uh, do I not blink enough? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Oh, am I not a blinker? Oh, I am kind of, I've been really tired today also. Oh, man. I gotta work on that. I've been noticing that lately. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, if if you're if you're someone who gets attached pretty easily, then probably casual sex is not the best thing for you. Wait a minute. How could you tell that I tend to bond easily? No, really. This is this is interesting. You're probably a psychic superpower person, <laughs> like you know, with your PhD. Uh, I'm I'm kind of kidding, but you oh. I don't know. <laughs> There's something about you that kind of says you're a very affectionate person, and that doesn't mean you bond easily, but. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't care. I could totally go to the clubs. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, no, I'm a, I'm a big, I'm a, I'm a cuddly person. Like I'm really like loving and stuff. That's sort of my my wavelength. Um, but you were going through a whole list. What were the things before the bonding? There was like a whole list of things you were going through, and you said you had more. What was the list of the whether you whether you desire it, whether you approve of it, um, um, how good you are at getting pleasure, so how sexually assertive oh. you are. Um, uh, whether you can do it safely and, and staying safe, not getting drunk. Um, there's a lot of alcohol that happens with casual sex. I mean, a tremendous amount. Uh, a recent study found that 90% of all hookups with strangers um, that women had involved alcohol. And like 60% of them involved heavy drinking, four drinks or more. Um, so there's a lot of alcohol, but alcohol will make you forget to use condoms, especially heavy drinking will make you lead to not use condoms um, is the top, you know, top reason for people um, uh, deeming their hookups a bad hookup. Um, you're not going to get as much pleasure because things don't work as well when you're drunk. And so uh, don't get drunk. Um, another thing that is important in terms of who you are and whether this is a good thing for you or not is who's your social s support? Like what kind of an environment are you in? A hookup may affect you differently if, you know, you're in Brooklyn in some super sex positive uh, community and in, you know, some rural Texas little community because social stigma is a serious thing and that will hurt your mental health. Social stigma hurts almost the same way that physical pain hurts. It uses social rejection, uh, uses the same pathways in the brain that physical pain does. Um, which is some, some new stuff that we've been, we've been finding out recently. And so when you get rejected because you're a slut, um, whether you're a guy or a girl, um, and casual sex does carry a lot of uh, social stigma, when you get rejected, that hurts you and hurts your emotional well-being. So being in the right environment, a supportive environment, is an important thing. And another important thing that sort of relates to that is how much do you care what people say? We differ very much on how much we care and how much our self-esteem is based on whether others like uh, other people like us or not and whether you know they're going to think we're a slut or not. Um, so if you're the kind of person who really cares about that, and especially if then you are in a sort of a conservative sex negative community, then probably you shouldn't be having a lot of casual sex. Pain response, huh? Well... Question. I don't know if you actually know this, but um, I heard that the reason we make these sort of grimace faces when we orgasm is because it's in the same center of our, like we feel pleasure in the same center as pain. I have no idea. No idea. I, I, I don't know about that. That might be true I mean, or not. I, I realize that you're studying like casual sex. Also, why, why casual sex? I, I, why did that come about? Um, 
I find it fascinating because we live in a culture that sort of has has decided that sex, at least in certain forms, um, especially like marital sexuality, is a good thing. It's a healthy thing. Um, almost everyone, even the most conservative among us, sort of agree that, you know, sex is a good thing if you're doing it, you know, with your marital partner. Uh, but casual sex carries so much ambivalence about it. Uh, you know, a lot of people are doing it. A lot of people uh, hate it. You know, there's there's just so much ambivalence. And, and, and that's what really um, attracts me. And also, all the research um, up to very recently that has been done on this topic has been very simplistic, has been, okay, is casual sex bad? Or is it good? You know, let's take a group of people who've had it and a group of people who haven't had it and let's just compare them on their well-being. But the, things are more complicated than that. As you know, as we're saying, it depends. It depends on who you are and how you do it. And I'm really interested in those nuances. And I think it's a lot more useful um, of a message to give to people, uh, you know, a message that says, well, there are ways to do it well and there are ways to do it, you know, not well. And here's how to do it as opposed to saying, oh, just say no. You know, this is a bad thing and just say no. Or, yes, it's a great thing and we should all be doing it. Um, so these nuanced kind of um, understandings of this um, I find really exciting. It's kind of geeky. Okay. All right. It's well, it's it's geeky. Well, it's all pretty geeky. But but I like to apply that science and geekery to something that seems so messy and confusing. I mean, that's really it's like where we need that science the most really mm-hmm. seems um uh what demographics are involved in this? I mean, I I am aware that it tends to be like college-age students. Um but I don't I mean like swinger groups like like what different yeah, what sort of uh, areas of the population have been studied? Um, oh, you're nodding a lot. I'm nodding a lot because, yes, college students. Um, I mean, for one thing, they're the most available um, participants that we have for social science research. They're there in our schools where we work, and so it's easy to um, to survey them. So most of the research that has been done on heterosexual casual sex has been with college students. Um it's not only though because they're available it is also because it's such a big deal for college students there is so much casual sex on campus i mean there there's scholars that have suggested that casual sex has entirely um replaced or almost entirely entirely replaced dating as the primary form uh, that that young people on campuses uh be- begin and and develop and maintain um sexual relationships um that we have sort of moved away from dating almost entirely um so is this a real is this actually a thing like are we talking like oh there's a like a paradigm shift that may be happening over the next 50 years or is it like oh snap no one is in a relationship anymore in college like what are we what are we talking about here we're actually not talking about that i mean there are some scholars that have suggested that that sort of hooking up is overtaking the hookup culture is basically overtaking romantic relationship culture on campuses but i don't think we're seeing that um uh, you know research is showing that most people uh, most of the time they have sex, it is in a romantic relationship. There are hookups happening and there is a, um, a minority of students who do hook up on a regular basis, but, but most of them don't do it all the time. I mean, when you ask students, um, you know, have you ha- ever had a hookup and you define that hookup in sort of broad terms like, you know, sort of any kind of um, genital touching, oral sex, vaginal, anal um, with someone that you are not in a relationship with, about 70% will say, yes, I've had at least one of those. But that doesn't mean they're doing it all the time. Actually, most of them are not. Most of them have only had a few of those. Uh, and and they are dating and they are uh, in romantic relationships and they are seeking those out. Maybe not as much as in the past, um, but it's it certainly there, there's no death to dating and romantic relationships on campuses. No, right, just, just double checking, you yes, know? Yes. yes. <laughs> um, there are both. They're sort of parallel, if you will, um, uh, cultures that, that go on at the same time. Uh, but there has been some research with non-college students, obviously not as much, but we do have some information. Um, there have been a, a couple of sort of large studies um, that have been nationally representative, um, even that have looked at, at um, casual sex um, with young people most of the time. Um, 
Yeah, a couple with um, uh, older uh, people as well. Um, and there is more recently, there has been a lot more research on um, openly non-monogamous people like swingers and people in, in open relationships, um, which kind of fall under the casual sex category. Yeah, that's like a whole other thing is when you're maintaining one relationship and then having a casual sex. I mean, is that, yeah, how does that feed into all the research and the, the puzzle of all this? Well, uh, we're just kind of starting uh, with that with that whole world. Um, Second PhD. <laughs> um, there are a couple of labs um, uh, around the country that are doing um, research on, in that area. Um, but this data is, is very new. There was some research on swingers back in the 70s when, you know, those things were kind of popular. And then the AIDS scare happened and sort of things got back, went back into the closet. And now um, for the last maybe 10 years or so, they've been re-emerging again. Uh, and, and so research is slowly catching up to that. But um, so some of the research on, on swinging um, is showing, you know, these people who have romantic, committed, long-term relationships who are incorporating casual sex with other people in their relationships. And um it seems like their life satisfaction and their relationship satisfaction is not any lower than those of you know the general population. In fact, um, there are some studies that find it is higher in in swingers, um, and that they find compared to the general population of of the U.S., they find life to be a lot more exciting and a lot less dull, um, which I guess is not surprising. Um, it's not surprising, but it's nice. It's nice to hear. It's nice to hear when things you kind of assumed also like show up and like, yeah, that, that's what we thought. Like, okay. I had good common sense. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean with the swingers, it's interesting because they, they are doing casual sex oftentimes the right way. So they're doing it without lying to anyone, right? They're doing it together with their partner in an open way. So they're not cheating. And, and, you know, cause if you're cheating that and you're having casual sex in a context of cheating, that obviously is problematic in and of itself, but you're doing it with the full support and knowledge of your partner because you're doing it in that way. You are more likely to use condoms with, with the people, other people that you're sleeping with. Uh, you're more likely to use those condoms properly. And that this is some brand new research that is just coming out now um, compared to people who are cheating. Um, so you're doing it right. You're doing it in a supportive environment, right? Um, and um, um, it doesn't seem like it detracts from your well-being at all. If anything, it adds. Um, of course, it's not always a good thing. I mean, uh, swinger relationships do end and sometimes they, they do end because the swinging didn't work out. But, you know, many romantic relationships don't work out for all sorts of reasons. So True that. I have heard. I've heard. <laughs> um, so um, And so we just kind of detoured into uh, non-monogamy. Um, and I would love for just single folks who are just, you know, jumping on Tinder or wherever or Craigslist or wherever you crazy kids hook up. Um, how can they do it safely? I mean, I imagine it mirrors what you just said, but I just want to make sure because you said, um, some stuff about, you know, making sure that you're aligned and you're authentic and you're being safe, but really, cause it can be really scary. I mean, it seems so cat, like it's redundant to say so casual, but I mean, cavalier, like, oh yeah, I totally, like I've had friends who just go home with people at bars, no big deal. And I'm like, I just feel like that seems really complicated and unsafe. And I just feel very, I don't know how I feel about that, but you have fun. Call me. Um, so I was that guy. So I, I just, you know, I want to be able to take care of myself and I want to make sure that my friends and the people that I care about are taking care of themselves. So how can they do it well and healthy? Mental health, right? Mental like health. make sure it's it's good for you. Okay. Well, I, I already talked about some of these things, right? When you're about to go into something like that, right? Ask yourself, why are you doing it? Are you doing it for the right reasons? Carry condoms on you and then use them. Um, stay away from the assholes. And this is especially for the women. Um, a lot of the men who are into casual sex also tend to be um, kind of jerks. They tend to be more sexist, have more double standards, um, be more manipulative and exploitative, be more sexually coercive and, and verbally and, and physically abusive. So when you say jerk, which seems like maybe not a term that's on the research material, 
you're saying that the people who are doing um who are manipulative and all that stuff yes 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 um people who are sort of narcissistic and and manipulative and and abusive and sexist um and they they tend to there tend to be more of those guys among the guys who are into casual sex than among the guys who are not into casual sex how do you figure out the difference? Because there are people who just feel like they don't have access to casual sex. Like, well, nobody really wants to be with me or I haven't really tried or I'm afraid. So you just like, question one, are you into casual sex? <laughs> yes or no? And then you divide them that way. Like, how do you define that? Like, or is it a question like, if you were presented with an opportunity, would you be interested in uh, sleeping, having one night stand with someone you're attracted to? Like, like how do you figure out how these guys go because there's also the stigma or i don't know if the stigma but the stereotype that all men are fine with um having sex all the time with anybody you know well that's not true that's a myth um well in research how do you find them in research or how do you find them in real life how do you divide the all the heterosexual males that you've interviewed into those who are into it and and i say for females but like how do you divide it um, you give them scales, you give them these measures, self-report measures, and, you know, you ask them some questions. And based on those, um, you just sort of uh, decide uh, where people are on that scale. So, for example, um, one question for, um, you know, how much you desire it would be um, in your everyday life, how often do you fantasize about having sex with someone that you don't know very well? Mm-hmm. And you give them a scale of um, you know, one to nine, one being never and nine being at least once a day. Oh, that's a really good question. That actually cuts through. Like, immediately I had answers in my brain. I will not be sharing them, but I. <laughs> yeah. And when you ask people that and you give them, you know, a few more questions. So there's a little more variability and, and um, uh, you know, ability to answer. Um, for men, you get the normal shape distribution, that bell curve that we often see with um, with sort of any personality trait. You know, there are some people who are not into it at all. There are some people who are really, really into it, you know, who think about it at least once a day. Um, and then there's a bunch of people in the middle and there's more people in the middle and somewhere in between those extremes than there are people on the extremes. Um, when you give those same questions to women, you don't really get a bell-shaped curve. You get a curve that's much heavier on the uh, not interested uh, part and fewer and fewer women as it gets to the, um, you know, at least once a day um, sort of part of the curve. Follow-up question. I I heard lately, I heard on the internet, <laughs> um, no, somebody, I don't know if it was over at the Kinsey Institute, um, somebody had posted that there was research around that a lot of that, like why women aren't as inclined to casual sex is because the pleasure, like just the pleasure gap. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've heard of this phrase, the pleasure gap. Um, you smiled. I have a feeling you have feelings about this. I, I know the research that you're talking about. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, it is one thing to find that, you know, men are more interested in casual sex than women. And it's another thing to explain why that may be the case, right? So one um, explanation favored by evolutionary psychologists is that there is an evolutionary reason for men to be more into this than women, for men to have more of this normal distribution and for women to be more on the conservative side, Um, that because men needed to spread their seed and they didn't have to invest very heavily in offspring, they just go around and, and, and uh, have sex with as many women as they can and sire as many children as they can, whereas this was not a particularly useful strategy for women because they have limited number of um, eggs that can uh, become babies. And what mattered more was to be able to take care of those babies as opposed to have uh, having as many as you can with as many different uh, partners as you can. Um, so, so that's that's sort of one explanation. Another explanation, uh, which is favored by um, that the, those researchers that you just mentioned, uh, is that it's a lot about social stigma. That because women incur, you know, the brunt of the slut shaming, um, they just 
don't want to do it. And they're taught their whole lives, they're taught that, you know, casual sex is not something that they should be having. And I think that absolutely plays a role. Um, I don't think anyone can can say that it's not, uh, that it doesn't play a role. And we do see that um, in more um, egalitarian cultures, women desire casual sex more than in uh, less egalitarian cultures. So when they get... Really? Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, in Sweden, more women want casual sex than in the U.S., and in Saudi Arabia, you know, fewer women want casual sex than in the U.S. I can see that. <laughs> but um, it, that gap still remains. So I, uh, my, my personal belief is that it's not all stigma. There is some perhaps some evolutionary uh, reason that there is a difference. Uh, but the stigma does, does play a role. And, and by reducing stigma, we can certainly bring that gap uh, closer. Um, and the pleasure um, gap is another thing. Um, th- that research um, claims that it's um, that women just don't anticipate casual sex being as pleasurable um, as, as men uh, do because casual sex is not as pleasurable for women. And that is an explanation, but I mean, why isn't it as pleasurable? You know, you can still tie that back to evolution and say, well, it's not pleasurable because it wasn't useful, evolutionarily useful for them. And so that's why it's not as pleasurable. Um, but it's certainly not as pleasurable. So when you ask, you know, men and women, um, you know, how pleasurable was your, your casual sex encounter, men will almost always score higher on that than women. Men will almost always um, have orgasmed. Um, a lot more, or a lot more of the of the men would have had an orgasm than than the women. Um, some recent research found that in your most recent intercourse hookup, um, about seventy or eighty percent of the men had an orgasm. Uh, among the women, only forty percent had an orgasm during their most recent hookup. And compare that to romantic sex. In the most romantic, most uh, recent romantic sex, seventy uh, percent of the women. Um, had had an orgasm, so it's a thirty percent gap. Well, that's a much higher number than I thought. I mean, that's seventy percent during romantic encounters. That's still wow. That's actually pretty good considering I used to hear like down in the tens and fifteen percentages. No, it's usually we find that about twenty five to thirty percent of women experience orgasm difficulties. So some of them never have an orgasm and some have a really hard time achieving an orgasm. But if you're average, so over all women uh, and um, again, these are college students. Um, so um, okay. Okay. these are college students. Um, yes, they're on their most recent romantic encounter, seventy percent had an orgasm compared to the guys who had um, uh, had an orgasm in about 90% of their most recent encounters, romantic encounters. Oh my goodness. So many research studies. There's so much. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're not, you know, oh, it's that I wish I could spend all my time just going through PubMed and reading all the things. Like if someone could just send me like a list with all the links to like 100 of the best, most entertaining, uh, like studies, I would just just sit at my computer and do that forever. (laughs) Um, We are running out of time. So I want to get one more thing in there. Ooh, this one's a tough one. Okay. What about orientation? I've noticed there seems to be this assumption that people who are gay or lesbian or bi or something other than heterosexual, just, oh yeah, it's way, they're just built for, hookups like oh those people yeah they're just boning all the time those crazy kids like i don't know i've just got and i'll be offended so i'm like these are people who have feelings and like crave things in their lives like marriage like these are people but i don't know what, what say you it's actually not a very difficult question to answer we, we do have data on that and um when you ask about desire you know this your desire question of, of casual sex gay men look identical to straight men they desire casual sex what? Just, yeah, just as much or just as little as straight men do. So their curve is very similar to the curve that uh, straight men have. Uh, lesbian women, same thing. They are just like straight women when it comes to how much they desire it. And we're talking about desiring sex period, not like yeah, casual, casual sex. Oh. We're talking about desiring casual sex in particular. Um, so in terms of desire, gay men look like straight men, lesbian women look like, uh, look like straight women, um, where the, the, the 
difference comes in is in behavior. Because men, gay men, depend on other men for sexual access, they get a lot more. So they can actually, you know, uh, live out their desires a lot for casual sex a lot more than the men, uh, the straight men can. Luckies. <laughs> yep, pretty much. They are, they are the lucky ones when it comes to access to casual sex partners. You know, straight men have to depend on women who desire it less for whatever reason that may be. And so they get less of it. Um, for lesbian and straight women, uh, their rates of casual sex um, are pretty similar. Actually, lesbians have a little less because they don't have to deal with men sort of pressuring them or tricking them into it. Um, they just wait till they uh, co-ovulate and then they just jump on each other? <laughs> yeah, or um, they just have less less of it. Um, that's that's just how it works. Um, but yes, bisexuals are interesting. There's a lot less research on them, um, but they may uh, be a little more into it than um, than either the the straight or the or the gay. Um, but there's still very little research on it, so I don't I don't want to say anything too incriminating that's going to turn out to be completely wrong. Right, I totally understand. I mean, someone is presenting at this very conference about a new orientation that's mostly straight. Like, there's actually, like, oh, you're presenting on it. Oh, you're pointing at her. She's pointing at herself. That's so funny. When are you presenting? Or did you already? Oh, tomorrow. Tomorrow, oh, yeah. Okay. That's my other line of research that I've been doing uh, on mostly straights. Oh, well, <laughs> one point you, <laughs> negative points me. Um, Oh goodness, there's I have so many questions and I know like we're totally out of time. So I just but I hope that we run into each other again. If you're in Los Angeles, please hit me up. I'd love to record more. Um where can people find you out in the world? Um they can find me on Twitter. I tweet about new sex studies, um, new sex research that comes out. Um yep, at Jana Vrangalova. It's my name and last name. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I made the face of like, give me a break. Give me a break. How many followers do you can we can we rework this? Like, is there a Dr. Jana? Also, that's a lot of letters to take out of your Twitter. I wasn't thinking uh, of, of that when I made my Twitter um, account. So I apologize publicly to everyone who wants to follow me. Will you spell it for everyone? Okay, here it goes. Z-H-A-N-A-V-R-A-N-G-A-L-O-V-A. That's it. <laughs> oh my God, why am I? <laughs> I'm like ruining. I'm just so on you about your name. I think because we've attended a lot of branding uh, stuff this weekend about like how to be better about, yeah. Yeah, that it's, it's still too late when it comes to Twitter. Um, so, sorry. But, you know, the good thing is there's, there's really not that many genres at all to begin with. So, if you look for a genre, PhD, sexuality, you're pretty much going to find me. Okay. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and oh. I also um, I also uh, blog about the science of casual sex on Psychology Today. I have a blog called uh, Strictly Casual. So every couple of weeks, every like 10 days or so, I have a new post on, on sort of the science of hookups. Cool. Um, are you conducting more research now that you've just got your PhD? Or are you writing books? Or what's your, where are you headed? Um, I'm starting a postdoc uh, this summer. So I'll be doing more research on hookups um, and also on substance use and sexual risk taking. And I think I'm going to do what I've really wanted to do, and that is study um, sex parties in New York, heterosexual sex parties in New York, and how much sexual risk taking and substance use, but also all sorts of other interesting things happen at these sex parties. So I'm continuing to do research, but I'm also continuing to um, like blog and write, and um, I'm hoping to start doing more workshops and talks and uh, maybe write a book, but we'll see. That's all sort of in the future. I just got my PhD like three months ago, yeah. so... <laughs> There's a lot that can be done and we'll see what what happens. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. That's fun. <laughs> Go team fun. Uh, we just went on a field trip. So I've been in D.C. for a week um, at a conference and I did a live show, which was a lot of fun uh, and a class, um, which was, oh, my God, I had so much fun in that class. But anyway, um, but I also went on a field trip with you, John. And where did we go? What's it? What is the proper term for it? Like, I want to call it a sex club, but that doesn't like that seems like, like it might be rude and and disparaging. Um. Well, technically, there there was some sex. It was a some. <laughs> 
Well, it was the Citadel. It was the local, I, I would just call it, I kept wanting to call it the sex dungeon, but yeah. I've never really called events spaces like that before sex dungeons. It's usually, it's just a dungeon or a BDSM club. It was the crucible. The Citadel is an army college in Charleston. Ah, I keep accidentally <laughs> doing that. The crucible. Right, right, right. Yes. Um, and I, I practically dragged you along because I wanted to go because I, I want to see what a, a sex dungeon looks like in our nation's capital. I just needed to know. Mm -hmm. And, um, if I recall, you were not particularly excited about coming with me. No, I was not particularly excited to come (laughs) with you. I was, what's the word? Terrified. You didn't tell me you were terrified. You were just like, Oh, I'm, I'm not. I mean, okay. I mean, I knew that. Yeah, that's what terror looks like with me. (laughs) (laughs) Good to know. Good to know. Man. Yeah. We need to work on your communication of things. (laughs) Terror looks like I accidentally got the wrong bread on my sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, you're terrified. Why were you terrified? Because that's a wildly transgressive thing, isn't it? And I'm not a very transgressive person. Yeah, you, I guess, because I know that you're, I mean... You know, we've been friends for a long time and you're a guy that, you know, you've dated, but you're not like a sexual adventurer from what I know. Like, you you know, you don't jump into the wilds of, (laughs) of the unknown sex club. I mean, just, I just, I think of you as like, I don't know. I just think of you as, (laughs) ah, it feels mean to say vanilla to your face. (laughs) But I am. Okay. Um, Okay. So it's okay that I call you vanilla. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so we walk in and it's a large room. I don't know if you've ever been to one of these or not, but um, this place was a large room filled with people. It was college night, so it was a, little, a slightly younger crowd and it was just filled. Like it was almost maximum capacity. The volunteers were fantastic. Um, first thing I noticed is the red walls, uh, these beautiful like, sort of textured red walls with some symbols on them and just people everywhere doing all it was like a where's waldo of kink <laughs> it was amazing and and there was so much chatter and it was loud but and the good music um and when we stepped in after like putting our our like coats and stuff away yeah. first thing i noticed was the smell i have no recollection of the smell at all it was humanity not in a bad way it was just it was the smell of it was warm from all the body it heat it was warm yeah it was very warm and and this, there was it it almost smelled like um wrestling like um the wrestling room when i was in high school they did have quite a lot of wrestling mats <laughs> they did but i liked it. the thing is i mean it was also familiar to me but mm-hmm. but it wasn't a bad smell and it, it wasn't funky it was just like there were a lot of people in here but yeah. i liked it i liked that it was i don't know it was just so alive it was it was um much more playful than I thought it would be much. I expected to see a lot of self-seriousness. So did I, it's the most playful room I've ever been in. I couldn't believe it. You, you saw me. I was getting kind of high from just the, the vibe. You were bouncing off the walls. <laughs> that was pretty exciting. <laughs> um, what, what sticks out in your mind? Anything particular? Um, what sticks out in my mind? Um, there were a lot of, yeah, the, the happiness of the people. Oh, just the happiness of the people. Yeah. How about all the boobs? There were a lot of boobs. Okay. Um. Yeah. No, I was like by analogy. Yesterday we were waiting for a train, and there was a couple. I showed you the couple. Like I said, how much I loved them because they were tourists and they were going back to the airport and they were doing everything wrong in the metro. They stood on the wrong side of the escalator. They blocked the walkway. They talked too loud. They made it difficult for people to move around them. Mm -hmm. Um, They took up too much space. They complained about everything. And I'm like, that was me two days ago. I didn't, I didn't even know that I didn't know any of the rules. So you were fine. I mean, I was just dumbstruck. I mean, there was kind of packed, but we found some standing room and then we would just walk a little bit further around the mm-hmm. room and stand and then watch. And yeah, I mean, you, you yes. were fine, you, but you were so brave. Okay. Cause for me, we walk in, there's a, a stripper pole, there's couches, there's places to sit down. There's a little bar you can buy soda and stuff at. Um, there's cages. I see a hanging cage. I see, um, a lot of stuff going on in the far, like in the far background, and then a medical area, which I'm always fascinated by the medical play area because that's where like some, some more intense play can happen. Yeah, we went 
beeline-ish back that way. I really wanted to see. Yeah, that was not the spot to start with me, though. I think, like, had we worked our way around to that, I might have been calmer overall. Okay, okay, but I kept every like three minutes I was checking in with you, you, and you're like, I'm fine. You did a good job. (laughs) Yes, you did. But and then, uh, who wasn't communicating to me that he was having an intense reaction to whatever he was saying? No, it wasn't an intense reaction. It was I started to pack things away for to to think about later because that was very heavy and there was a lot more lighter and more playful things that were going on between <laughs> the front door and there that would have been I would have been able to stay more in the moment with okay all right I can that's that feels more honest and I can understand what you mean by how you were processing yeah. and that's actually a really cool thing to I never heard of it talked about that way. It just a uh, you're just putting it in a little file because you have no way of processing that right now. It's too much, and then later. Um, but there was sounding, which was urethral play that was right in front of us, and I realized yeah. that was right there, and you were right there. I was like, "No, he doesn't know what that is, probably." <laughs> so yeah, you were right up on it when you noticed it. Um, but I'm a lot taller than you. Mm-hmm. So I actually did have to do something that I don't think you noticed me doing is I almost never was looking at the thing that we were in front of. I was looking at the thing that was like 20 or 30 feet away. Well, I was, well, wait, no, I had a clear view of stuff from further away and then it wasn't so up in my face and I wasn't like, am I too close? Am I too starey? Because I have a bit of a thousand yard stare and it's not fun for people. And I don't know that that's an appropriate environment to stare well, I mean, bl- excess blinking can help. You know, break it up a little. You mean the proper amount of blinking? Yes. <laughs> For some people, they just need to remember. To Curse my lubricated eyes. <laughs> well, past okay. So, so the reason I was standing right there in yeah. front of the sounding uh, table mm-hmm. is because I was watching stuff beyond as well. I was looking at the people, um, and it was also really well stocked. Like it was just, it was such a well prepared area. I was like, oh, that's right. There were two or three things past that that I didn't even look at. I yeah. was like, all right, yeah, no, they're in my view, but no. Right, cutting and piercing and um, just impact play. There's just a lot going on. And, and so I was so curious because, um, I, I, yeah, I, I didn't even remember until the next day how much there was that I've never mm-hmm. been in a space that had so many things. Yeah, so what was missing? Because I think my overall impression was that, all right, this is all the things. Um, the next day I was trying to think of what it was. Pony play was missing. I didn't see any ponies and I didn't see any puppies. So like any sort of, um, play of that sort. I didn't see, although the wrestling play that I got, I really was like, this is, this is my jam. (laughs) Um, I didn't know it was my jam. It is my jam. Um, when they were wrestling, um, it kind of looked like puppy play a little bit, but I guess it'd be more like two dogs playing more than anything. But the the rope bondage area was beautiful. I mean, I don't know if that struck you because I don't I don't know if you have any frame of reference. But usually, when I see a rope area, um, people are just using rope on each other. I don't usually see mats, so I really liked that there were a lot of mats around. But then there was this beautiful. It almost felt like a tree, mm-hmm. like this strong wood beam coming up, and then three uh, wood beams stretching out over these mats so that with all these hooks and things so that you could suspend someone in different ways. Of course, um, most people were just using the mats, not suspending, but for me, it was just beautiful and, and utilitarian. I like when something is useful. It's designed for maximum. Awesome. I just like that. There was a lot of space for creativity. It was like, it's like Legos. Mm -hmm. There's no rules. You can just put it together any way you want and create something. Um, I I was feeling in that room. Everyone was really, I don't know. I had a good time. You did. They were very safety conscious too. I was surprised at that, I guess. I guess although I shouldn't be. But there were lifeguards all over the place. <laughs> I like that lifeguards. Um DMs. Dungeon Masters. Okay, Dungeon Masters. I guess they don't have to need to know to swim. <laughs> um, but yeah, they were very like we were talking to one at one point and he was like, Oh, I know I gotta go tell those people that there can't be that many people on that table. So safety conscious. Um, what was most surprising about, um, the experience? I didn't flee after five minutes. Oh, you learned something about yourself. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I was not comfortable most of the time, but maybe by the final 20 minutes or so, I was like, yeah, I could see this being fun. I can understand the fun of this. 
Okay, cool. Wow. All right. I, I, I could not read you at all. At all. I just knew that I needed to make sure that you were okay. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I, was, I, didn't, I had no idea how fun I would be having, how much right. fun I would be having in that. So I just kept trying to remember, like, oh, you're right. Check in on my vanilla person. Check in. Okay, you okay? All right. Well, I knew I was in foreign territory, and I knew I didn't know the rules. So I didn't want to offend anyone. So I was just a little bit neutral mm-hmm. acting. Um, good job. Thank you. Oh, man. God, there was... Oh, yeah, you saw Fireplay, too. I did see that. That was one of the more popular. He had a people lined up waiting. Well, that was cool. Yeah. yeah. That was cool. So, mister, guy, dude, friend. Yeah. Uh, are you glad you uh, sucked it up and went? I object to the term sucked it up, but yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> or yes, I am. Well, there was talk of us maybe not going or, you know, I was kind of like, let, you know, saying, okay, we don't have to. And, you know, even just like the week before, like, oh, only if you want to, what is this thing? I hope he wants to go. <laughs> no, I'm glad I went. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. <laughs> ah, slowly, I am turning the world. Would you ever go back? I'm going to plead the fifth. Oh, okay. Bonus conversation. Dungeon. Mm-hmm. Oh. Thank you. You're welcome. Now leaving Nerdist.com.